It's a blessing to be here. Again, my name is Casey Davis, and my wife and I are missionaries to India. Um, my wife is not able to be here tonight. Uh, she's back in Iowa, uh, had a funeral this last week, and so her and the kids are there. But uh, I've got two little kids, Lydia and Naomi. Lydia is two years old, and Naomi's uh, eight months old, and so uh, they're, they're back in Iowa right now. But uh, we're sitting out of Harvest Baptist Church there in Fort Dodge, Iowa, and been on deputation now for about a year and, and three months now. So it's been a, been a blessing. And uh, I'm just going to share a little bit of our, my testimony and, and about how I got saved, and, and we'll go ahead and, and show the video in just a minute here. But I was born and raised in a small town in Seward, Alaska, very, very small uh, tourist community. And I grew up in a, in a good church. Our, our, my family was reached by a missionary that came and planted a church there, but um, had the opportunity born to a Christian home. And, and I, I grew up knowing about, about the Lord, but it wasn't until uh, later on, uh, after I was in Bible college, that I was reading in the book of John, chapter 9, about the blind man, how Jesus came and he healed him of his sight. And uh, Pharisees questioned him, and, and he said, all I know is I was blind, but now I see. And when I read that, the Holy Spirit began to convict my heart, and I knew that um, I had lived the life of a blind man, that I, I knew what it was like to, to play the part of a Christian, but I'd never been born again. And I got in my car, went to go out to a, a quiet place, and uh, just get along with the Lord. And before I get there, I just cried out to the Lord in my car while I was driving, and the Lord saved me. And I'm, I'm blessed that God is, is patient with us, even though He doesn't have to be. I'm very blessed by that. And uh, I've had the opportunity, um, as, as Brother Williams mentioned, uh, my wife and I did we spent nine months in, in Paraguay, South America, and uh, it was a good opportunity for us. God had been working on our hearts about missions and about India, um, but uh, a missionary called me and asked if we'd come, and, and I just bought my tickets, and we went. And the Lord just uh, opened up a lot of doors and a lot of opportunity for that. Uh, a lot of things that we learned, just uh, some of the things that we been, that we had the opportunity to, to experience a lot, or a lot of what we're going to experience here uh, when we get to India. And not that it makes it easier, but it helps us to know how to handle some things and thankfully learn how to do some things differently. But uh, it's always a good good thing. But the uh, Lord began uh, directing us towards India. I've made, I made a few trips there. Uh, up to this point, but if you can go ahead and show the video, um, I can go ahead and explain a little bit more. India is a strong Hindu nation dominated by pagan idol worship, and its culture has been built around their many religious beliefs. It is the second most populated country in the world, with over 1.3 billion people, over 1 billion profess Hinduism, and over 170 million profess Islam. There has been very little Christian influence, making it one of the most unevangelized countries in the world. Of the 2,533 people groups, 
all but 257 of them are considered unreached. My heart just aches every time and we drive through somewhere and just to see the, the poverty and to see just everything, even going through Jaigon, it's just incredible to see the need for Jesus Christ. God has called Casey and Hope Davis to go to India and reach this needy nation with the gospel. Casey will be doing that by preaching Jesus Christ, preparing national pastors, and planting indigenous churches. Their primary goal from the very beginning, even while they are learning the language, will be reaching people with the gospel. Discipleship will be a major part of their ministry. Their focus will be on training men who can reach people and plant more churches. Discipleship can sometimes be a long process, but it is necessary to building a long-lasting, sustaining ministry. There's a tremendous need for gospel-preaching churches throughout India, and their goal is to see more of them started there, as well as in the surrounding countries. God has not only burdened their hearts for India, but also for the closed countries of Bhutan and Bangladesh. One of their goals is to make short trips to the border of Bhutan, where they will assist in training men who can go back in and start churches among their own people. Bhutan is a closed Buddhist kingdom and very resistant to the gospel. While Bangladesh is a densely populated Muslim country, the most effective way to reach these territories is, of course, through their own people. To be right there on the border, being able to, to walk along the wall, being able to see it but not really go in was, was frustrating, but yet just burn a fire within me to be able to come back and know that that we can train these guys that can go in there and really make a difference. Being there with the students, being able to teach, you could really see that they had a desire to learn, they had a desire for, for truth. It was, it was incredible for me to be able to share from the Word of God and, and challenge them to, to make sure that everything that they do believe is, is truly from the Word of God and not be drawn away by enticing words or by um, just somebody who has money. There's many countries here that are that are just all so close to the gospel. And having the opportunity to be right there uh, in such a pivotal area of Northeast India, so close to all these countries, is, is such a humbling experience. In Casey's third trip to India, he had the opportunity to meet with a few missionaries throughout the country, and he was encouraged by their success in planting churches in some of India's most unreached cities. He's excited to return and break through these heathen religions with the true saving gospel of Jesus Christ. Most of the unreached people surrounding countries. Their calling is to go to India to reach people with the gospel, plant churches, and train men to go into these surrounding countries, spreading the gospel and planting more churches where we are unable to go. Please pray for them. As I mentioned, I made, uh, had the opportunity to make, make three trips to India. And my wife, had, I made two trips to myself and once with my wife and our daughter. We spent a month there. And uh, God's, God's burdened our heart and uh, called us. Uh, we'll be, be basing in the city of New Delhi, which is uh, the capital of India. Um, it's one of the largest cities in the world, a little over 26 million people there in Delhi. And we'll be working there, uh, planting churches there. There's, uh, there's two veteran missionaries that are there uh, that we'll be working with as we get started. Uh, be going to language school there in Delhi. Um, India has, has many languages that are spoken, actually hundreds of languages, and, and every state in India has its own language. But uh, the city that will be in, the city of New Delhi, uh, will be speaking the language of Hindi. And uh, many, many people in India speak Hindi. It is the official language, but, but Delhi has the highest concentration of Hindi-speaking people, and that's what we'll be focusing on. Between Hindi and English, uh, you can speak to just about everybody in India. 
uh, or everybody in Delhi, sorry. Um, but uh, so after we finish learning English, we're going to work on Hindi here soon. But uh, uh, we actually actually just got started here recently. Uh, just trying to kind of get our feet wet a little bit on and uh, learn a little bit as, uh, that, that we're able to, um, to kind of cut down on time in language school. It is a very difficult language, but, but one that, that we believe we can get a, a good handle on before we get over there. Because, you know, really our focus is, is reaching people with the gospel, reaching people uh, in their language. And, and uh, one of the things that we learned in Paraguay uh, was that in, in Paraguay they speak two different languages, and uh, one being Spanish, another being a native language, Guarani. And, and as you start speaking to people, many people respond in Spanish, but people are, are very open and, and become very welcoming as you can speak to them in what they would consider their heart language of Guarani. And, and even in India is the same. As we can speak to English, speak to people in English is great, but the more that you can communicate to people in Hindi, the more welcoming and the more open people are. Um, just, to, just to having you in their home and talking with you and, and just creating opportunities that way. And so uh, we will be going to language school there and, and working with these missionaries that are there right now uh, as we get, get our, just kind of get our feet wet there and uh, and then once we get started, we'll be, be planting churches there in the city. Uh, Northern India is a very unevangelized part of the country. Most of India is very unevangelized. Um, with a, you have uh, about 2% of Christianity in the entire nation. Over, over 80% of the country would identify with Hinduism and about 15% Muslim. And as I mentioned, over a billion people that would profess Hinduism uh, in India. And so very little Christian influence, and especially as you get into northern India, cities like Mumbai, Delhi, Calcutta, there's, there's many, most of them are less than 1% of any kind of Christianity in the city. So um, there's, there's very little Christian influence, but, uh, but there is uh, great opportunity there. A lot of people that are very open to the gospel, many people that uh, would be just very nominal Hindus. They're, they're just kind of going through the motions, and a lot of people are open to, to, to the Word of God, open to Jesus Christ, and open, in, open to just listening to us. So a lot of good opportunities with the gospel there, and uh, we will be, again, focusing. Our, our hope is that we would, we would train and disciple men. Our focus is that we would reach men who, who we could train and disciple to plant churches throughout India, uh, plant churches throughout Delhi. And that's really, that's really our prayer, is that we would, we would begin to train and disciple men, as, as Paul wrote to Timothy, teaching men who can go and teach others also. And that's really our focus, is that we'd train men who could continue to plant churches, who could continue to train men to plant more churches, that long after we're gone, there would be uh, more men going out, more churches being planted, and more men being trained. And that's our focus, is discipleship and really, really reaching people and really uh, dis, uh, training men to plant churches along, alongside us as we're planting churches there in Delhi and, uh, and reaching out into these surrounding communities. Delhi is a very gro rapidly growing city. Um, like, like I said, over 26 million people in the city of Delhi, um, but the outskirts are growing very, very quickly. The, the city closest to where will be the city of Kurgaon. They say in the next five to ten years we'll surpass New York City in population uh, just on its own. Um, the, the area is growing, and there are many people that are coming to India from other parts of the country, uh, other countries uh, as well. In a lot of the villages that surround Delhi, um, many people speak tribal languages, and as, as we're able to reach many of these men to Christ, most of these men, I mean, if we, if we learn one or two languages in our lifetime in India, that would be a tremendous feat, but many of these men speak two to seven languages. A uh, man that can reach people that we could never, never dream of reaching with the gospel simply because we could never communicate with them. Many people in India live without the gospel simply because they don't have somebody that could bring it to them in their own language. And our prayer is that we would reach men who could, who could do far more than we can. Our, our, our mission and our, and our aim is that, is that we would reach men who, who are far more qualified to reach their own people, but that we would simply bring the light of the gospel to a dark place and be a light of the gospel and, and be able to, uh, to, to build a ministry that would continue long after we're gone. 
And so part of our ministry, as mentioned in the video, we will be making short trips back and forth to the border of India and Bhutan. Um, there is a national man that we're working with there as a small Bible institute, bringing men from Bhutan and Bangladesh, discipling them and training them to go back and plant churches in their countries, um, both of which, Bhutan and Bangladesh, are closed countries, and in Bhutan especially, it's illegal to share the gospel, but uh, there are men that, that are going in, that are, that are reaching folks, that are, that are uh, putting their lives on the line uh, for the gospel's sake, and we, we, we get to play a small part in that. And our hope is that we would train men who can take the gospel further than we can. The unfortunate reality in the world today, especially in that part of the world, is there are many places that we cannot take the gospel. There are many places our passport doesn't allow us to go in, and, uh, and, and, but there are men who have, as they would explain to me, no borders have opportunities that we don't, and can take the gospel in those places. So, again, part of our ministry will be spent uh, helping and training these men to get into these countries and plant churches. But, but again, the bulk of our ministry will be spent there in Delhi, uh, planting churches there and working, working with the missionaries there. But uh, that's our focus. Please pray for us. as, uh, as we, we're, We've been on deputation, as I mentioned, for about a year and three months now, and, and uh, it's been a, been a good experience. I've uh, learned a lot, uh, I think, and you know, we, it's been a good, good opportunity just to just to, to, to share the ministry of India, share the need for India. And that's our prayers that we would, as we go from church to church, that, that you would uh, get a greater understanding and a greater appreciation for the need in India. And I ask you, please take our prayer cards. I've got hundreds, thousands of them. Um, take them, pray for us. We, we desperately ask that you, that you commit to pray for us, and, and uh, not, just, not just for us, but for the people of India. There are many people that, that uh, we'd ask that you'd pray that, that the gospel, they'd be receptive when, it, when it's time when we're able to get there and get them the gospel. Many people waiting in darkness, but uh, we're, just, we're thankful for the opportunity to be a part of getting the gospel to India. So if you have your Bibles with you this evening, and there's a lot I could say. There's a, there's a lot. I um, had a great time great this evening. I went to an Indian restaurant. And uh, I, again, I, I won't say much, but I will say that it was a, uh, a fairly authentic experience, to put it that way. I felt, I felt from the moment I walked in there, I knew... This is, a, this is an Indian restaurant. Because there are some that are fake. There are some I go in. Um, I, I've, I've kind of gotten shied away from going to too many Indian restaurants because a lot of them are just kind of, uh, they're not real. But this, this one was pretty good. So if you're ever interested. But uh, to open your Bibles to Amos chapter 7. Look at Amos chapter 7, verse number 10. I love, I love Indian food. My wife's kind of right on the fence about it. She's kind of not her favorite thing, but, but she does enjoy it from time to time. Um, it's something if you get it right, it's really good, and um, I, I didn't get—I didn't recommend anything too hot or spicy. But if you get—if you—if you get you know, Indian food, is is very different, and that's one of the things I love about going to India. Um, the hospitality is great. Um, they feed you long past your full. They—they—they—they uh, they, they want to make sure that that you—you uh, you had had uh, more than you could possibly imagine ever eating again. Um, they fill you up, but it's—it's it's a great experience. Um, and I love the people, but Amos chapter 7, verse number 10, we're going to read a few verses here. Uh, the Bible says, Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, sent to Jeroboam, king of Israel, saying, Amos hath conspired against thee in the midst of the house of Israel. The land is not able to bear all his words. For thus Amos saith, Jeroboam shall die by the sword, and Israel shall surely be led away captive out of their own land. Also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go, flee thee away into the land of Judah. And there eat bread and prophesy there, but prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, for it is the king's chapel, it is the king's court. Let's pray. Dear Holy Father, I just want to thank you for this opportunity, God. What a privilege it is, God, just to gather and, and worship the name of Jesus Christ, God. And uh, we're so blessed by the opportunity to be in church tonight. 
God, I pray you'd use this message tonight, God, to be a help and an encouragement, uh, but God, uh, most importantly, God, to be a challenge to our hearts. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Looking at this, um, you know, I, I, love, I love the book of Amos, and, and I love uh, looking back at, uh, you look at the life of an Old Testament prophet, and, and it was very simple. God, God would speak to a prophet, and, and that prophet would then speak the words that God gave him. He, he did not have the, the luxury to, uh, to give his opinion. It was simply God's words, and here you see Amos. He is, he is, uh, he, he is he's speaking the words of God to the king. Uh, warning the king, telling the king about judgment that is coming because of his wickedness. And, and as you could imagine, uh, the people were not very receptive of it. The king didn't, didn't like what he had to say. Uh, it says here in verse 12, also Amaziah said unto Amos, O thou seer, go flee thee away into the land of Judah, and there he bred and prophesy there. But prophesy not again anymore at Bethel, for it is the king's chaplain, is the king's court. They basically said, Amos, we, we don't really appreciate what you have to say, and we appreciate if you just pack your stuff and go somewhere else. You can say whatever you want and just get out of here. And I, I love Amos because I feel like he's someone that's very relatable uh, to you and I today. It's sometimes it's difficult to, uh, to really, uh, you know, try to relate to, to men of the Bible. But Amos was a very normal guy. You see his response here in verse number 14. The Bible says, Then answered Amos and said to Amaziah, I was no prophet, neither was I a prophet's son, but I was an herdman. And I gather sycamore fruit, and the Lord took me as I followed the flock. And the Lord said unto me, Go, prophesy unto my people Israel. Now, therefore, hear thou the word of the Lord. And Amos just very simply said, You know, this is not my day job. I, I was not trained for this. I, was not, uh, I don't have a lot of experience here. Uh, this is not what I've spent my life preparing for, to be a prophet. Or, uh, he said, but, but the Lord just took me, and he said, Go. And so that's what I did. And, you know, Amos was, something, was someone, as, it says, a gatherer of sycamore fruit. He was not someone of a very high stature in the community. He was not someone that made a lot of money. And, uh, but, but he was someone that God chose. You know, God is often looking for people who will be faithful. Amen. You know, one of, the, one of the greatest things, lessons I've learned as, as we've uh, spent time with various people is that faithfulness is about, about the best thing you can hope to be. It's about the best, best thing you can hope to have is being faithful to the Lord. God, God chose Amos, who, someone who would stand up in the midst of his people, in the midst of people who, who rightfully should have known better. But God, God used Amos to stand up among his people and proclaim the judgment that was coming. As you can imagine, we don't always like to receive criticism. I don't, I, in my flesh, dwelt no good thing, and I don't like to be criticized. Um, you know, but, but Amos, here was Amos standing up among his people, uh, proclaiming the wickedness that God was going to judge them. And yet Amos stood there faithfully. And even though the people were, were, were trying to shoo him away, Amos stood faithful to the calling that God had given him. And, and tonight, you and I have a similar, similar message of hope and of salvation that God has given to you and I. There is a world around us that is without Jesus Christ and in need. And, and if the world is going to hear who Jesus Christ is, it is going to be from me and you. Not, not from the missionaries and from the preachers, but from the, from the Christians, from, from, the, from the church to, to go out into the community and to reach people with the, the need of Jesus Christ. And there will be people who will reject it. There will be people who, who would rather that, uh, that, you, that you keep your opinions to yourself. There are people that would shoo you away. But the truth is, is that, that Amos was called by God to go, and you and I have been called by God to go. And that is not a, oftentimes we allow the reactions of other people to dictate how we respond to God's message. We allow the, the, the rejections and, and people's negativity to dictate whether or not we will continue in sharing the message of God, when in reality, that was never something for us to decide. The, the, the calling was to go. It always has been. 
for you and I to take the message of Jesus Christ to the world that we live in. There's a world that's in need. But unfortunately, there are many people that will reject. There are many people who will who respond negatively to that. But that doesn't change the calling of God. That doesn't change the necessity for the people to hear the message. It doesn't change the fact that hell is still real. We live in a world today with people who are, who are fine with talking about God. You can go to India and talk about God all you want. You can, you can talk about it. They believe in God. Uh, you, can go, you can go to the Muslim communities and they will, they will talk about God. They have no problem with that. But you start talking about Jesus Christ. You start talking about the, the fact that there is only one way for eternal life. That really goes against the grain of people. Because that means that people have to make a decision. That people cannot continue living the way that they want. They have to make a decision about Jesus Christ. Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 45. Isaiah, chapter 45, verse number 20. I'm going to go to, this is my favorite, favorite passage of Scripture, and, and especially as it relates to missions. And if you have, the, if you have an opportunity, uh, we don't have time tonight, but just to, to read kind of around this part of the Bible, you know, a couple chapters before and after, just to, get to kind of get a, a better understanding and, and just a reminder simply of who God is. You know, again, we live in a world that, that is, uh, that is, Trying to, that, that is okay about, to hear about God as long as however it pertains to you, but to talk about Jesus Christ, to talk about God Almighty being the only God, being the Creator, there are people that, that they don't appreciate that and trying to diminish the power of God. But, but this is a great, great, great passage of Scripture here. I'm going to read just a few verses here in Isaiah chapter 45. Look here in verse number 20. The Bible says, Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near ye, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Again, in verse 20, he says, Assemble yourselves and come, draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. You know, the reality is that if tonight you sit here and you have, you've heard the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're born again, you, you have escaped. You know, we, uh, having heard the gospel, you are a very privileged individual. There are many people today uh, who, who not only have not heard, but they have no idea. There are people today that have no understanding, no, no, recollect, no, no knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. They, they, have a, they have a belief, he says, he says, they have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray. These people are praying. These people have an understanding. They have a, have a knowledge that there is a God, there is a being, there is something greater than themselves that exists. And there are people that I, I can go to and, and places I can take you, people who are devoted and, and who are devout, who have given them li- their lives wholeheartedly to, to what they believe. These people would pray and sacrifice and, and, and very consistently every single day, giving of themselves uh, simply be, for the gods that they worship and for the idols that they worship. And, and he, says, he says, I want you to take a step back. You know, we live in a world that is constantly drawing our attention. We live in a world that is so fast-paced and, and our, our, our phones are dinging every 10 seconds and we've got things pulling our attention every which way. You know, but God is just saying very simply, I want you to take a moment. And I want you to, to take, a, take a second, you that are escaped to the nations, he says they have no knowledge. So I want you to take a moment and, and, and reflect with me for a minute. He says, I want you to look at the world that, that they have no knowledge. And the truth is that we have the knowledge. Again, if you sit here today and and if you have the, the Word of God in your hands, you are in a whole other category. We're a privileged people. 
we are very blessed today to, to, to have the opportunity to know God on a very intimate level. You know, think about it. I was, I was just reading recently, you know, going through the life of Moses. And you think about that moment as Moses is standing there before uh, the burning bush. And, and God is speaking to him. And how, how un, unreal, how amazing experience that must have been as he stood there and speaking with God through a burning bush. And he takes off his shoes. He's on holy ground. And, and how, how, how amazing it would be to be there. But the, the, the reality is that you and I have an opportunity to communicate with God every moment of every day. You know, the, the, the great privilege that we have that Moses this never did is that we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. You and I have, a, have an opportunity to know God so intimately uh, in, in a way that, that many people never could. And the fact that we have His Word in our hands so available, it, it's, it's with me everywhere I go. Either I've got my Bible with me, I've got it on my phone, I've got it on my computer. The Bible is everywhere I go. And we have access, we have the opportunity to know God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we do. Even though we have access, even though we have great privilege of knowing God and knowing God's Word and knowing with the Gospel, that doesn't necessarily mean that we know God. And there, there are many people, not just in India, but there are people right here who are counting on it. There are people today everywhere that we go that are without the Gospel. I'm amazed how, how often as we, we travel the country on deputation, how many places we go, people that have no idea who God is. People have no idea what salvation means. People have an idea of what God is, but have no idea what hell, that hell is real. You know, I think that many people today are, uh, and, and maybe it's, it's easy myself to get into a mindset of, of trying to, to, to be sensitive maybe to the beliefs of other people. Maybe to be, not, you don't want to scare somebody away. Maybe you don't want to be too, too crazy for somebody, but the reality is that hell is real. And you cannot get around that fact. You cannot present the gospel and skirt around the fact that hell is real. You cannot present the gospel and skirt around the fact that, that we are sinners just deserving of that hell. We, we, that, we, we are very deserving of it. You know, so often the question is asked, why would God, who is so loving and so merciful, allow so many people to spend an eternity in hell? But the reality is, is why would we, who have absolutely nothing to offer God, willfully reject the, the selfless gift of salvation? You know, Jesus Christ, He, he came, He went above and beyond. You know, the Bible, as, as the Bible says, God commendeth His love toward us. You know, God, the, the fact that you and I have breath today is proof that God loves you and I. The fact that you and I have an opportunity to live is the fact that God loves is, is truth that God loves you and I. But the reality that Jesus Christ came and He did not ju- He didn't just pay for sin, He did not just suffer on the cross of Jesus uh, on Calvary. He He became sin. He became sin for you and I. The most wicked and vile thing that you have ever done or has ever been done to you, Jesus Christ became that for you. He became sin. He became so wicked so that he would pay the sin's penalty so you might have an op- so you would have an opportunity to know God. So you and I might, might have an opportunity to be born again. And you and I have the opportunity, the privilege to take that same message, that message that, that we received. You know, you think back to that moment, and I, I don't go back there often, but I, every once in a while I, I go back to that moment when I re- re- realized for the first time that I was lost. The first time that, that I was in need of Jesus Christ, and, and I remember that moment I was in my car, and I, I was driving 50 miles an hour, but I can take you to the exact spot as I called out to God, and, and, and God heard my prayer, and, and, and that moment, as the Bible says, old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new, and that moment was, was such, a, such a life-changing experience, and, and sometimes it's easy to forget how lost and in need we were. You know, it's, it's difficult for me sometimes, and, and, and maybe some can relate, that I, I grew up in a Christian home. 
You know, for me, church was not an option. It was not something I, I decided on later on in life. I did, as, as I, meant, I did have to make the decision to trust Christ. But church, it, it, was not a, it was not a decision I made. It was made for me. And, and sometimes it's easy to think, well, you know, church was good for me, but, but maybe not everybody wants it as much as I did. I didn't always want it, though. Maybe, maybe some people, you know, as if maybe we've been almost tricked into this. You know, to come to church, we, you know, we were bamboozled or something. You know, to been, been lied to. And, and we forget just how in need we were. And just how in need the rest of the world is. You know, I think about it. My, my, our, our, my, my parents were won to Christ by a missionary that came to Alaska. Back in the, the 80s, Alaska was, uh, was a very un, unreached part of the world. Still is in many places. And, uh, you know, my, my dad was, uh, would been ra- had been raised Jehovah's Witness. My mom was a Catholic. And uh, they, they had, had no desire for church. But, but a man came and, and uh, brought my brother and sister uh, on the church bus. And my brother was five years old. Uh, they came for, for some time. And, and after a while, my parents came and uh, came for a long time. My dad didn't want any part, uh, really, of church. He he'd had, a, had bad experiences in, with, as being Jehovah's Witness and, and didn't want any part of it. But, but after some time, the pastor came. And, and it, and it was, was, was months and months and months of coming and, and speaking with him and, and working with him time and time again, investing in him before he realized that, that it wasn't about the church. It was about Jesus Christ. And, and he realized that he was in need of salvation and, and, and made that decision to trust Christ. And you think about that, that, that my dad was the first person that, that we know of in the history of his family to trust Christ. And, and now that has set forth a, 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 such, a, such a unique privilege to, to, to the rest of our family and that, that even now my kids and, and, and hopefully their kids will not be saved simply because my dad got saved, but they'll have the opportunity to know Christ that they would have never had had somebody not come to a place that was simply in need. And, and, and it wasn't just from our pastor, but, but from other people, other friends my parents had uh, that, that, that influenced them and, and, and were influences for Christ, people that, that they trusted and, and, and were, were willing to, to allow their kids to come to church simply because of the testimony of other people. And after months and months and months, made the decision to trust Christ. You know, my dad and I, we live very different lives. And it's only by the grace of God I, I escaped that life that he lived. But we still made the same decision. We, we, we still had the same need for Christ. It didn't matter the fact that we grew up in, in, in opposite homes, opposite different opportunities, but the need was the same. The decision to trust Christ was the same for my dad as it was for me. There were different things that led to it, but it was the same decision. And every person has to come to grips with, with Jesus Christ at some point. As he says, he says at verse, the end of verse 21, he says, and, and there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. He is, he is just and He is our Savior. And God cannot allow sin into heaven, but He gives you and I the opportunity to be a part of getting the gospel to the world. He says, look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. I had an Indian man, him and his wife, we were talking in their home, and, and uh, she was telling me, she says, you know, it's, it's like going to, going to the post office. You can go all these different ways to heaven. So you can go this road and this road and, and this one and this one. And then I said, that's great, but heaven's not the post office. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And in my flesh and in my, my earthly wisdom, I think it would be great if, if every road would get there. But the truth is that... Jesus Christ came and paid for our sins, made it very simple for you and I 
that, that because he could not allow sin because he is just. And because he is so just is why he, he, became, he was willing to be our Savior because he knew that, that we could never make it on our own and he loved you and I so much that he would pay our penalty for us. You know, it's, you know, it's shocking to me, and, and it's an, an indictment on myself, I could say. You know, as, as we go to India, and we, we go to these places, and you see these people that come in, and they worship, and they bow down, and people that cannot afford uh, to feed their families laying food on the altar before the idols, and, and people are devoted, and, and you know, they, it, you see, saw some of the things in the videos. They're spinning the prayer wheels, and they're putting the flags up, and they're ringing the bells trying to get their God's attention. And, and man's religion, man is always trying to get God's attention because they understand how insignificant they are. But in God's religion, it seems that God is always trying to get our attention as if He is insignificant, as if He is the one that is deserving uh, or, or is, is in need of our attention. God, is so, God does not just love you and, and, and want you. God is desperately seeking a relationship with you and I, that we would love Him so much, we would be so, so in awe of Him, that we, would take, that we would wonder how the world continues on not knowing Christ, and that we would be so in love with Christ that we would be willing to share him with the world we live in. Amen. You know, it's difficult to think about how much Jesus Christ loved you and I. And He put us here for the purpose of simply sharing the message. Jesus Christ paid for, the, paid for sin. That's already been done. Amen. We're here for the purpose of sharing that with the world. And, that, and, I, and God is asking that we would love Him so much that we would be willing to, as Amos stood up and and among his people and was ridiculed and, and was, was cast aside. And even though many people would have, would have left home that day and said, well, God, I tried and I failed. With the, well, his, his purpose was never to, to change the whole, was to, to, to cause everybody to repent. No, he was simply there to warn the people. He was simply there to, to bring the message of God, whether the people responded or not. And, and tonight, you and I are called to get the gospel to the world. I cannot make that decision for somebody. I cannot make that decision for them to trust Christ. But I can present them with the, with the reality of who Jesus is. I can share, them, share with them the moment I realized that I was lost. And tonight, I think very simply that it's very easy to look up here and, and look at, at myself or maybe the pastor and think, well, it's their job to, to, get, to share Christ with the world. But no, it is our job. It is the job of the church. If we leave it up to the pastor, our community will never know who God is. It, New Delhi has over 26 million people. I, I, speak pretty, I speak pretty fast, but I could never speak to that many people, I don't think, in my lifetime. And you, you, live, you have an opportunity to be a part of getting the gospel. You know, one of the greatest opportunities as a Christian is that you would share Christ with somebody who is in need. And as the Holy Spirit would convict their hearts and they would trust Christ and, and, and become a new creature in Christ and you watch that person as maybe you have an opportunity to disciple with them and watch them as, as their desire grows and they go out and share Christ with somebody else. I remember my dad, uh, you know, my dad told me dozens and dozens of times when he got saved, his, his first instance, well, instinct was to go to his mom. His mom had been Jehovah's Witness her whole life. And uh, after nine years, he prayed for her and, 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 and was, was continually working with her and, and she eventually got saved. You know, the truth is, my dad, my dad has never been a preacher. I don't know that I've ever heard him give a message. I don't know that I've ever seen him go out door-to-door soul winning. But all my life, all I ever remember is sitting there at the dinner table and my dad telling me about, about another coworker that he gave the gospel to and, and somebody else that trusted Christ or somebody else that, that, that he's, he, he, was, he was sitting with or, or giving the gospel to at work or afterwards. And, and the thing I learned at a young age is it doesn't matter who you are. 
We all get to be a part of this. We all get to be a part of getting the gospel. Even just this last, uh, I was in Alaska a couple weeks ago and talking to my dad about a coworker that he worked with a dozen years ago. And just, just how much it hurt him that, that he had witnessed to her time and time again and she never trusted Christ. You know, the truth is, is that you don't have to be a pastor or a Sunday school teacher or a bus, bus captain to, to be a part of getting the gospel to the world. You and I are, 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 have been given a unique privilege. God could have used, God could have done it in a, in a lot of ways. But he chose you and I to be a part of getting the gospel to the world. Tonight I pray very simply, every head bowed and every eye closed, that we'd very simply be reminded of two things. First of all, the necessity of the gospel. The world all around us, there are people everywhere we go that are in 